Those of you who are here tonight, we're going to solve one of the great problems of all times. In a new way, in a way you've never heard before. Even I've never heard it before. <clears throat> and that's the question of, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, what did he do wrong? And why was he punished so severely? And we'll all assume that this was a very severe punishment because Moshe Rabbeinu himself, in the beginning of the parashah Vet Hanan, davened for a reprieve. He himself begged God to allow him to go to Eretz Israel. So it seems to me that that means that keeping Moshe Rabbeinu from going to Eretz Israel was a big deal, like a big punishment. Even though you could say that Moshe Rabbeinu lived kind of in his own world, you know, and knew uh, the Torah very well, and therefore he he had something to do with himself. He wasn't, uh, <coughs> there wasn't anything missing. But no, Moshe Rabbeinu himself said, left us this understanding, that not for him not to go to Eretz Yisrael, at the end of the sojourn from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael, was a terrible thing. <coughs> now let's look at what the Psukim say. First, the Bamidba Perikabe, let's find the annoying words. The annoying words in the Parsha. In these, in this group of Psukim. Right? So, so of course this is annoying. Because on the one hand, Hashem tells him, so you would think that the mate, that the staff, plays a role of some sort. It could be that the mate is just a sign of authority. And we know the, the pictures in the ancient world of this uh, nation and that nation where the king always seems to appear with a staff. Uh, okay, but in any event, uh, this is not necessarily part of our tradition. Because there's no place later on in the Torah or in the Vim where it is claimed that the king of Israel had a staff. But Moshe Rabbeinu, one could argue, he had a staff when they had to do something with it. Something was supposed to happen. But then the Pasuk says, It says clearly, I mean, it's hard to make a mistake about that. <coughs> and then somehow water will come out of the stone. After all, if you think of the two opposites, you say, where is water going to be? It's not going to be in the stone. It's not just hard to get at. Stones don't have any water, which is why they're stones. They, they don't absorb any water. You can't like hit a stone and expect that anything will come out of it. So the Jews, the people wanted water, and God is going to get them water from this stone. From the stone. Next pasuk, So the Torah emphasizes the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu took the staff. So it sounds like the staff has something to do with what's going on, right? Uh, now these words, these words, of course, as you know, caught the attention of the Rambam. We'll get back to the Rambam. But do you remember that, that, that the Rambam saw this as anger? Like the Moshe Rabbeinu was losing it somehow. He, he says, what did you get me into this for? What are you, what are you fighting about water? I mean, So this is Moshe Rabbeinu's idea. Moshe Rabbeinu says, he could have just gone to the cellar and gave it a whack and, and, uh, and out will come the water. What does he have to test the people by saying, what do you think? You think we can do it? Do we get water out of the, out of the rock? I mean, it's like, 
a little odd here. Amina Sela is another word. What do you mean pa'amayim? Pa'amayim means twice. Why did he hit it twice? I mean, if he did what God told him to do, then the result should have been as God said the result would be. So he hits the rock and water should come out. If no water came out, then why did he hit the rock again? I mean... The thing is not working, so what, are you going to keep whacking away at the rock? What's the point of that? It has nothing to do with physics. It has to do with God. So Rashi says, see the famous Rashi? Well, let's do the, let's do the Rashi's. A pasig yud, ha min ha-sela ha-zenotzi, v'fi shelo ha-yumakirim oto, v'fi shalach ha-sela v'yashav lo bein ha-slaim. <laughs> Rashi says, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Amin he meant, is this the right one? Is this the seller that I'm supposed to hit? Because as Rashi says, they didn't know which was which. The designated seller went and sat down amongst the slaim, amongst the rocks. When the Miriam's Be'er, right, Miriam died, the well that she was responsible for disappeared. And so the Jews had to just drink water. They, the, the Diet Coke was missing. The Be'er gave, you know, whatever you wanted, you got out of the Be'er. But no Be'er, you had to take what there was. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, you are morim, sarbanim, you are deniers, you don't want to accept the authority. Zonyevani shotim, morim et morehem, right, they deny the authority of their teachers. Amin ha-sel ha-zeh shalom nitznavinu alav, notzilachem ma'im, says with Moshe Rabbeinu. So, I mean, to say this Rashi, you have to admit that Rashi thought this was a difficult pasuk. It was like the pasuk says, "Hamin hasel azel etzim lechemayim." Are we going to be able to take water out of the cellar? Rashi says, "What are they talking about? They're talking about well, here's an art cellar. This is not the cellar that we were originally uh, uh, supposed to whack, but this is. Uh, you think we're going to be able to do it? What does that mean?" Pasuk Yudalev, "Vayer Moshed Yedov Yachad Asel Mateu Pa'amayim." What's Pa'amayim? So Rashi says, Pa'amayim lefisha b'rishona lohotzi elatipin. He whacked it once, and drops came out of this rock. Remember the rock? We weren't sure if this was the designated rock or not. Lefisha lotzivar makom lehakoto elavidibardem elasela. Why were the only drops? Because God asked Moshe Rabbeinu to speak to the seller. So he went and whacked the seller. He whacked the seller. So, so he's a denier. Imagine, imagine this. Does it make any sense that God denied, a, that Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm sorry, denied a direct command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It couldn't be much clearer. And he decides to do something else. Can you, can you fit that in? <coughs> Veheima dibru el asela, el sela acher, hutsi. They spoke to another seller. Amru shemet zurich lakot kivarishona, shenemar, vikita batsur, vinizdamein lahem otosela vihikahu. So Rashi, Rashi getting us mixed up now. You know, remember that at the end of the parish of Bishalach, Bishalach is Shmot. Shmashalach is before Mountain Torah. So in the Parashat they also had a little water problem. They didn't have any, they came to the desert, they didn't have any water. So, so, so the same kind of story, there was the cellar, and there was a staff, and Moshe Rabbeinu there hit the cellar, and out came the water. So here Moshe Rabbeinu said, according to Rashi, maybe even though God said, we really should hit the cellar. 
So that was the Pa'amayim. The first time it didn't work. So the second time maybe it'll work. Pasukit Aleph. No. Pasukit Bet. Vayom HaShem HaMoshem V'Laron Yan Lo Emantem Bilakti Sheni Leinei B'nei Yisrael Lechein Lo Taviyu Takala Zeh El HaAretz Asher Natati Lahem. That's it. That's it. Even though Rashi tries to explain that there was an actual reason that Ra- that, the Ra- that Moshe Rabbeinu got mixed up or changed or did something that he shouldn't have done, nevertheless, God is unforgiving. Oh, and what is it called? Yan lo emantembi. That's a you know Moshe to, to accuse Moshe and Aaron of lo emantembi. I guess it's going to be pretty serious. You think we're talking about a theological question? But he's talking about he got mixed up because there was this rock and that rock at a previous occasion in Bishalach. So why couldn't God be a little more forgiving here? Pasukim Gimel, Hey Memei Va, Asher Rabbe Berei Zod Hashem VaYikadesh Bam Memei Va. So let's look at Rashi again. If not for this, they would have gone into Eretz Israel. Because it would not be proper to say that Moshe and Aaron sinned in the same way that the Dor Hamidbar sinned. Moshe and so they're all in the same group. Like, why didn't why didn't uh, Bnei Yisrael go to Eretz Israel? Okay, the Miraglim. Before the Miraglim, the Egel Azahav. So the angels of if Moshe and Aaron would not have gone to Eretz Israel, they would have been categorized or classified with that group. They were the same, so they should have gone to Eretz Israel. But this was their own private. Uh, a transgression, and because of this transgression, they were not allowed to go to Eretz Israel. That's what Rashi. That's what Rashi says. <coughs> okay, like the Shenu Shilu Dibatum Rasela Vatsiva Iti Mikudash Leineha So, so Rashi says, oh, if they would have, if they would have spoken to the rock, that everybody would say, Yay Hashem, right? They would all be cheerleaders for God. So the Abba other everybody asks, what's the difference? You talk to the rock or you hit the rock. In neither case do you expect water. Right? You know, let him, you can go and hit the rock all you want. No water's going to come out of the rock. So most of you hit the rock. What about Abba you going to say, I'm supposed to say, oh, he hit the rock. Let's see him do that by talking to the rock, you know, or something like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. But that's what Rashi says. Rashi says that the Avera, that the particular transgression was that God said to them, clearly speak to the rock. Yes, he did. That is true. And they hit the rock. Yes, that is true. But what is it that then produced a crisis of faith in B'nai Yisrael? That part I don't understand. Boshemed, he didn't do what God said. Elohinami. He deserves a punishment. He deserves a punishment. Is this the worst possible crime you could imagine? Well, I don't think so. I think this is the worst possible crime. I mean, because the people, from the point of view of the people who were standing there, who probably did not hear God's directive, right? God said whatever they said. And then it says, and it says in Pasuk Tet, Vayikach Moshe etamatem levnei Hashem v'ashetzivau. You think we could do it? And they did it. That should be enough. This is not my question. This is a question that everybody asks. Everybody meaning people who study Parshanut. Everybody asks that question. What is Rashi talking about? What is Rashi talking about? <coughs> Okay. Now I want you to know that this is the book of Bamidbar. But the book of Dvarim, well, uh, we'll do it one way or the other way. In the book of Dvarim, which is largely speeches, 
that Moshe Rabbeinu made to B'nai Yisrael before they came, they went to Eretz Yisrael. In those speeches, Moshe Rabbeinu refers to this event. And listen to how he refers to it. How does that sound? God was angry. Now this is remarkable. It's Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't admit that he was responsible. Even though the parasha in Chukat seems to finger Moshe Rabbeinu directly, Moshe Rabbeinu himself, when he's thinking about what happened in the past, he says, it wasn't me, it was you, talking to all of B'nai Yisrael. That's a Perik Alaposik Lamed Zion. If you look at Perik Gimel, right, the, 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 the uh, Perik Gimel, Hashem Elokim Atachi Lota Larota Davdechad Godachavet Yatcha Chazaka Shemi El Bashamayim Vaaretz Asher Yasekim Vaasekim Vatecha Ebrana 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 is the is the Hebrew word Ayin Bet Reish Ebrana Please let me go. What is it? What is Moshe Rabbeinu? Doesn't he know that if God says you've had it, you've had it? Moshe Rabbeinu is arguing his case. Moshe Rabbeinu is pleading. You don't plead for a case that is lost. There's got to be some opening. And then he says, that word, that Hebrew word means that God got angry. But it doesn't mean regular anger. It means uh, anger plus, like super anger. The word Vayitaber is explained always by Rashi in the Gemara as meaning like a pregnant woman. Right? That is a Hebrew word. Right? Who's like stuffed. That's Vayitaber. It's not just anger. It's Stuffed with anger, which I guess, you know, you can't say so easily about HaKadosh Baruch but, but the idea is, the idea is that super anger, Vayitaber Hashem B means, and God was very angry with me. Something extraordinary. And what does the rest of the Pesach say? Vayitaber Hashem B Lema'anchem. What's Lema'anchem? Again, Moshe Rabbeinu is denying he is responsible. He's denying it. V'lo shama elai. V'lo shama elai. He didn't listen to my pleading for myself. Because of you. What's the because of you? We don't know. V'yom Hashem elai rav lach. And Hashem says to me, enough. Stop davening for yourself. Right? Unheard of. Unthinkable. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, stop davening. Because this davening is not what we're interested in right now. All right. You see on the second page, the third, the third source is from the Varim Paragramid Bet. At the end of the Torah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu that the time has come for you to die. Umut elamecha, die. Okay, whatever that means. I mean, it's all, everything means more than it seems to me. But that's not our concern. Our concern is Pasuk Nun Aleph. Al Hashem Why does Moshe, well, God compare the death of Moshe to the death of Aaron? Because they both died in the desert, in Chutzla Aretz, in an unlikely place. And why? Why did they die in the unlikely place? Why? Because it says in the Pasuk, 
על השם מאלתם בי בתוך בני ישראל, בימי מריבת קדש ובארצין. על השם לא קידשתם אותי בתוך בני ישראל. So when God tells the story of the event in Chukat, who's guilty? Moshe Rabbeinu is guilty. When Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story, who is guilty? B'nai Yisrael are guilty. So that's a little bit, that's a little bit strange. Here we have like a, like an issue, an issue of parashadot. How you bridge the gap? I mean, there's no, I mean, you have to make assumptions. You could say, well, Moshe Rabbeinu was like a regular person. Everybody puts the blame on somebody else. And everybody thinks that they are innocent. And everybody is like unhappy about the verdict. Okay, you could say that. But if you prefer to say that Moshe Rabbeinu was special and committed to the truth of things, then the, the, the Pasha becomes more difficult. How could it be that the Torah itself said that Moshe Rabbeinu is responsible, both in the book of Bamidbar and at the end of Devarim, before Moshe Rabbeinu dies, and at the same time, at the same time, Moshe Rabbeinu keeps blaming B'nai Yisrael for what happened. There seems to be some kind of a disconnect here, dissonance, you know, about, about what is actually, about what is actually going on. So the two things, the two sources that I want to mention before I tell you what I think is actually happening. One is the Ramban, which is not on your sheet. There's a very long Ramban. You know, they say in the kids in Israel say, Ramban shall kilometer. You know, that's like, uh, you get to learn modern Hebrew also. So in this Ramban Shal Kilometer, the Ramban tells you why he doesn't like what Rashi said, what the Rambam said, what the Ibn Ezra said. And then he says, I like only thing I like. So just let's review it. What did Rashi say? They hit the rock and they didn't talk to the rock. Right, so the, the Ramban says, well, that doesn't make any sense there. Okay, finished. Then uh, the Rambam, what the Rambam say, Shimuna Hamorim, right? The, in the introduction, in the Shmona Prakim, he says this. The Parakhet, uh, I think. I really don't remember, but you know, you're not going to look it up, right? So it doesn't matter what I say. So I'll say that. Shmona Prakim, the Rambam says. The Rambam says Shimuna Hamorim is a sign of anger, and as I explained last week. Anger is not commensurate with teaching the Torah. Because anger means that you've lost it. You're not, you're not clear. Things are not clear to you. And since Moshe Rabbeinu, his job was to express the will of the Torah as clearly as it possibly could be expressed. So anger is counterindicated. So that's why it's a Chilol Hashem. Because at that time, that, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu was angry. He was not able to serve or to be, to function as, uh, I told you, I, I always tell that story about Ratzi Pesach Frank. You know that story? Pesach, on the night of the Seder, he would make the say, he was the rabbi of Yerushalayim, Ratzi Pesach Frank. And people asked him Shilas all the time. On the night of Pesach, he would make his Seder, his own Seder, it took about ten minutes. So he drank the four cups of wine, he ate a little bit of something, he made the whole Seder ten minutes, and then he went to sleep for an hour. Because he knew that people would come to ask him questions. And after you drink four cups of wine, so you're, uh, you can be defined as a drunk. Right? I don't know whether it works on the, on the road, four cups of wine, what it does when they do that, that, that meter test. But Ratsupesa Frank, Paskind about himself that he was drunk. And if you're drunk, what can't you do? You can't Paskind a Shiloh. Even if you think you know the answer, but you're not working on all the cylinders, there's something missing. So he would then go to sleep for an hour. When he got up, people would start coming in and asking him questions because, you know, that takes time to get the Seder organized and your questions organized. Those days, you know, Yerushalayim was a little town. And everybody lived near everybody else, especially the kind of people who asked Shilas, all lived next door to Sweet Bezik Frank. And, uh, and they would come and, uh, you know, Sweet Bezik Frank, he, if you look at the Swarim that are published, uh, his Swarim are published posthumously, I mean, he knew everything. He did, you know. I mean, I say that as, you know, extreme jealousy, you know, like. <laughs> 
But he really did. He really, uh, he was something, he was something special. What? He didn't know about? Computers. Ah. Oh. Computers are not part of everything. It's like a different category. It's like, you know, things that you know. They're things people know. Like, uh, well, you know, they're not everything. Everything is contained. It's not limitless. It's limited. So, uh, so anger, anger, according to the Rambam, anger is an unacceptable uh, human quality, certainly for Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, since the Torah was actually uh, uh, not being defended at that time, so the punishment was deserved. That's, the, that's what the, the Rambam says. And so the Ibn Ezra, the Ramban himself, again, you don't have it, but I, I, I happen to have it, in front of me, and the, uh, just one second, it's Parakov, is that what it is? Parakov. So the, the Ramban, the Ramban, in order to keep us confused, even though it's not actually true, quotes the parish of the Rabbeinu Hananel. Now, we don't have a parish of the Rabbeinu Hananel. We only have Quotes of the Rabbeinu Hananel's perush on the Torah, most of which are in the Ramban. I'll say it again. The Rabbeinu Hananel wrote a perush on the Torah. It disappears. It's gone. We don't, we don't know where it is or why it disappeared. But we know that it's gone. However, there's a book. You can go to a bookstore and buy the perush of Rabbeinu Hananel ala Torah, which is magic, right? If it's gone, how could you buy it? So the, the, what happened was that somebody went to, through all the people who quote the Rabbeinu Hananel, wrote them all down, and that became the parish of Rabbeinu Hananel al Torah. So one of the primary sources, of course, with the parish of Rabbeinu Hananel al Torah is the Ramban. Did I... Is he our landlord or something? So anyway, the Rei Rabbeinu Hananel Shekatav. I'm reading from the Ramban. I'm reading the Ramban, which is not on your sheet, but I'm just telling you what the different possibilities are. Rabbeinu Hananel Shekatav ki achet hu amram hamina sel hazen lehemayim. When Moshe Rabbeinu got all the Jews together, he said to them. Hamina, so you think we could do it? What does that mean? Kederech she'amru b'teit Hashem ba'erev basar le'chol v'gomer v'chein b'chol anisim, etc., etc. That's what the Rabbeinu Chananel said. In other words, Rabbeinu Chananel said, Rabbeinu Chananel said, if you look at the, the psukim on the first page, if you look at the psukim on the first page, pasuk yud, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu What do you think? You think we can do it? Think we get what? That was the chait. The chait was that, that somehow they allowed for the doubt to creep into the conversation. Right? So from this Rabbeinu Hananel, you could decide, like you have till Shabbos lunch, to decide if you like the Rabbeinu Hanan or you don't like the Rabbeinu Hanan. Otherwise, you have to wait another year. But, but besides that, what do you see in the Rabbeinu Hanan? The Rabbeinu Hanan gave up on the idea. Rabbeinu Hanan is very significant, the personality. You know, he's a Rishon, he wrote a commentary on Shas. He's not unknown. You know, he may be unknown to us a little bit, but he's not unknown by any means. So the Rabbeinu Hanan, gave up on the idea that the chait of Moshe Rabbeinu had something to do with hitting the rock and speaking to the rock. You understand? That was like you see in the tradition, in the tradition of interpretation, even though the Torah seems to indicate, take the, take the staff, speak to the rock. He hit the rock, he didn't speak to the rock, that had to do with Parmaim. You would think that it has something to do with, with what Moshe Rabbeinu did. So Rebbe uh, gave up on that entirely, that whole idea. And the Ramban 
says, I like Rabbeinu Hananel. He gave up on the idea. He gave up on the idea. There's one more commentary that I want to mention before we, um, we try to solve this problem. What? Rabbeinu Hananel says it was because they, they, they kind of made doubt. They spread doubt about whether God could do it. It had nothing to do with hitting the rock or speaking to the rock. That's Rabbeinu Hananel. So, and that's the Ramban. The Ramban says, I'm with the Rabbeinu Hananel. And I don't like Rashi, I don't like David Ezra, I don't like the Rambam. I like Rabbeinu Hananel. So the implications of liking Rabbeinu Hananel are that the, the, the whole idea that you hit the rock, you speak to the rock, that has nothing to do with the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu. So yeah? Uh, maybe, uh, not really. You know, he has uh, his own uh, his own malach. Now here is a long quote which we will kind of condense from the Sefer Ikarim. The Sefer Ikarim was written by Rabbi Yosef Albo, who was considered to be a philosopher, but I would put him more into the category of theologian or a parshan. He's a he's a parshan, but he deals with the Torah by topics. And not by psukim. It's not a commentary on psukim, but it's a book that deals with things by, by topics. So here in the, the paragraph Revi'i, in the Mama Revi, is divided into four major sections. In the fourth section, Perikov Bet, you have in front of you at least the second half of Perikov Bet. So if you look on the right hand column, uh, Uh, let's start from 42. If we start from line 42, you'll be able to understand what the Chiddush of the Albo is. The Albo says, Ulezeh timatzei or timtza Yehoshua Kshenitztarech lichmozeh Hadlei adavar Lohim tini tol Rishut me'ashem Vilimalech bishchina What's the Albo talking about? He's talking about Yoshua bin Nun was fighting against the eye. There was a city. The soul and he saw that he would not be able he will not be victorious until nightfall. And when night fell, then you can't fight. You know, they had horses and staffs and, you know, like some kind of medieval, uh, medieval war. But at night, no one can see anything. And they would not be able to carry out the war to victory. And so, Yoshua bin Nun said, Shemesh on Dom, which means the sun here in Giva'on should just stay in its place until the war is over. V'yareach be'emek ayalon. Giva'on emek ayalon. You know, if you were high school kids in Israel, you would go on those kind of tiulim where you'd be, or maybe elementary kids, school kids, and I show you this is give on, you know, all those places. And, and, uh, so the, our Albo has this theory that Sadiqim, he calls them Sadiqim, people who are special people, can make demands on heaven. That's what he says. And his example of a special person who made a demand on heaven was Yoshua bin Nun. Because Yoshua bin Nun said, Shemesh on Dom, but no one told Yoshua bin Nun that that would work. But he did it. Because he had faith that his prayer, his demand, which was necessary for the victory of Am Yisrael, that this would be responded to by heaven. That's what Yoshua knew. Yoshua was a Talmud of Moshe Rabbeinu. But according to the Albo, the Talmud, in this case, exceeded the Rebbe. Because the Rebbe, when he was faced with a crisis, when he was faced with a crisis, 
ran away and asked God what to do. When the people came, the people came and they said, we want water. Moshe Rabbeinu went to the Oel Moed, went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and said, what should we do? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, that's the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yoshua Benun. And that, according to the Albo, that, according to the Albo, was a significant breach because they saw, people saw, that Moshe Rabbeinu himself did not have faith that God would respond in the way that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, thought the response should be. And furthermore, you could ask the question, you could ask the, you could buttress the question, because at the end of Bishalach, when the Jews came and they said they didn't have water, so Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, hit the rock. Remember in Bishalach? We mentioned it before. So Moshe Rabbeinu should have said, last time I hit the rock, this time I'm going to hit the rock. It could be that that's what he, that's what he was thinking. Moshe Rabbeinu. But why did he have to go to ask? That's the question of the elbow. I think that this is a terrific, uh, terrific comment. Terrific comment. You could use it, tell it to anybody you want on Shabbos, you'll see how good it sounds. The elbow. But the elbow is not the comment that I want to make here tonight. I want to make a different comment. So if you look on the second page, there's this, the second source is, is also from Dvarim Perik Dalit. Again, here's uh, here's uh, Moshe Rabbeinu talking. God was angry with me. Al divrechem. Al divrechem. What divrechem? What they say? Ah, they said we want water. Al divrechem. Vayishava, and Hashem took an oath, so to speak. Levilti avri et yarden, ulevilti bo et aretz atova, asher Hashem elokecha notein lecha nachala. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu. In the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, he's saying Musa. He's saying Musa to Bnei Yisrael, right? He's telling them, oh, this happened and that happened. The other thing, I've got to remind you of all this. Before you go to Eretz Yisrael, maybe you'll be able to mend your ways. Maybe things will be okay. So, but in the middle of it all, he says, and not only did you do a bad thing for yourself, but you did a bad thing for me. And that's the pasuk, that's pasuk kaf aleph. Hashem itanaf bi al-divrechem. God was angry at me because of what you said. He doesn't say God was angry at me because I hit the rock. I didn't speak to the rock. I collected you together and I said, Hamina, uh, He didn't say because I lacked faith, as the Sefer Korim said. He said, Al Devrechem, you are the cause of this. And here is the Ramban. The Ramban that people don't pay so much attention to. In other words, he said over something that he had already that he had already said. Right? You see on the first page, Dvarim Perak Aleph. Right, Hitanaf. Hitanaf, and here it says again. What does it say? Pasuk twenty-one. So the Ramban says that Moshe Rabbeinu is really fixed on this. This idea that God's anger to Moshe Rabbeinu was a function of what they had said. Right? Perak Aleph, Pasuk Rabbi Gimel, and Perak Dalit, Perak Dalit, Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Shechzir amakom azeklomar. Oti, tziva Hashem ve'etahi lelamed etchem ha-mitzvot, la'asot chem otam, 
בארץ אשר אתם עוברים שמה. God appointed me to teach you בני ישראל all the mitzvot so that when you come to Eretz Yisrael you'll have this all in mind. You'll know what it is you're supposed to do. ואתה קחו מפי תורה כי אנוכי מת בארץ מואב. So he says and now you should take all the Torah from me that you can because I am about to die. לא אוכל ללמד ללמדם אתכם בארץ. I'm not going to be able to teach you when you get to Eretz Yisrael. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be with you. ואל תשכחו שם מה שלימדתי אתכם. And when you get to Eretz Yisrael, don't forget what I taught you. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to B'nai Yisrael, I was your teacher, I'm not coming with you, but don't, don't forget what we have learned together. Okay? Velo mashere item b'sinai. Velo mashere item b'sinai. Don't forget what I taught you, and don't forget what you saw b'sinai. And then, al derech ha'emet, which is usually Kabbalah, the Ramban says, Yomar tishmeru ma'od l'nafshotechen pen tashchitun. He says, you better watch out. Uh, because if you don't keep the Torah, you're going to be destroyed. Ki Hashem hit'anaf bi, Hashem hit'anaf bi, Okay, this is what the Ramban means. The commentaries on the Ramban have discussed this. Matan Torah had a negative side to it. The event of Matan Torah, Vav Sivan, had a negative side to it. And that was that Matan Torah was like a great sound and light show. Right? There was fire, and there was shofarot, and there was a cloud. They were tangible, visible things. And tangible, visible things are reproducible in some way. And one of the results of Matan Torah, of the event of Matan Torah, was that they made the Egel Hazahav. Because where did they get the idea that what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted of them was that they should, they should have something tangible to supplicate, that there should be something real, something real that they would be able to focus on. That was Har Sinai. What was Moshe Rabbeinu? What was Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was the Torah. Not the real, but the speculative, the thoughtful, the idea. However, this is what the Tchelis Mordechai says, that what bridged the gap between Har Sinai and Torah was Moshe Rabbeinu. And there was a fear that Moshe Rabbeinu would become idolized, leonized, uh, uh, that people would start thinking that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, was worthy of worship, of independent worship. And so it became absolutely necessary for Moshe Rabbeinu to die in the desert and not to go to Eretz Israel. Because somebody who dies, even though Moshe Rabbeinu eventually would die, but if he died now, no one would, no one would think, no one would think of making Moshe Rabbeinu into a a, a, an idol. So that the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu, 
the chait of Moshe Rabbeinu was that he could not get he could not get the Jews away from the reality of worship that they wanted to worship something so when Moshe Rabbeinu said Hamin Hasela Notzilachemayim Hamin Hasela Notzilachemayim that meant where it's not the seller. You don't have to worship the seller. You have to worship the people or the person who is able to force the seller to do whatever it does. When Moshe Rabbeinu said, so when Moshe Rabbeinu said, he meant, we are the ones. And Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's also Aaron apparently, was seen as responsible by this line of reasoning. If you look at the you look at the Pasuk again, the Pasuk says, Vidibartem Elasela. Vidibartem Elasela. Right? It was the Sela doesn't have doesn't have the ability to understand. And Moshe Abenu was worried. What would happen if they would speak to the Sela? What would that say about the seller? We know that koach the ability to speak, belongs to man slash woman. In creation, nothing else. You can't talk to anybody else. Okay, I'm leaving out the porpoises. But, you really can't talk to any other living thing. Also, not to any, or maybe the parrots. Who talks more, the parrots or the porpoises? I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's the parrots. Parrots have a good track record. So so vidibartem elasela. Vidibartem elasela meant that if Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the sela, that the people would have to be able to say it's Moshe Rabbeinu. It's not the sela. It's not comprehension. And Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about that, and therefore he hit the sela. He hit the sela because that means that the sela does not comprehend that the rock doesn't comprehend and the comprehension you know that to this day there are rocks though there's a rock in uh, in Medina is that where it is? what? it's in Mecca? I mean they ran away to Medina so it's in Mecca Mecca there's a rock right? there's a rock and it's really a rock according to the pictures in National Geographic it looks like a rock it smells like a rock and then they, 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 they go on Aliyah, La Regal, to the rock. They get a lot of, a lot of traffic. You know, a rock. Like what? It's like Uma. Uma's not a rock. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Listen, I don't like Uma, but I'm not going to compare it to the rock. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, Okay, so he said, uh, good, but he said, me, I'm going to save you. If you do this, then, you know, if you take, if you take the pill, you'll, you'll be okay. So that's what he said. But is there a rock? There's a rock. And there's a, like a temple built around a rock. And then everybody goes there. So you see, you see that this is not so far-fetched as an idea that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was not successful. After all, this story, you know, this story happened after Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching Torah and after Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to get people to understand. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, so HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you're responsible. You're responsible that they might worship you or worship the rock. Right? And therefore you have to be punishment, punished. Your punishment is going to be that everybody's going to know that you're not divine. Because you're going to die against your will in a place that you don't want to die at a time that you don't want to die. And Moshe Rabbeinu, however, said, you did it to me. Why did you, how did you do it to me? You weren't good students. I mean, that was the deal. I'm not just Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm the teacher of Am Yisrael. So whether I deserve to be punished or not has to do with whether you've learned the lesson, you've studied the, the Torah, you understand what idolatry is. Right? And that was 
the epitaph to Moshe Rabbeinu. If you look at the end of the parasha of Ayelech, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, and eventually they're going to become idolaters. In Eretz Yisrael. They are going to become idolaters. So what does that mean? They're going to become idolaters? It means that they, Zabonis Nitka learned, you know, that it's not part of them, this anti-idolatrous position. They're like wavering. They're wavering. That's the whole story of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael until, until, uh, and including Shivat Zion, when they came back to, to Eretz Yisrael. So Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah is certainly right that Moshe Rabbeinu did not teach B'nai Yisrael to differentiate between an act of God and an act of man. They weren't able to do it just like after the Matan Torah, which was full of all kinds of reality things. They built the Egel Azahav. Also here, what was not going to be clear to B'nai Yisrael was who was responsible for this water? Who brought them the water? Was it Moshe Rabbeinu? So you see that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe and Aaron together were very frightened of speaking to the seller and putting the seller on some kind of an exalted place. And they felt that it was necessary to hit the rock to show that the rock did not have any kind of independent spiritual, any spiritual value. But when, so HaKadosh Baruch punished Moshe Rabbeinu because he, Moshe Rabbeinu, was not able he, Moshe Rabbeinu, was not able to bring the people to the level that they should have been. And this is even mentioned Beferush at the end of the parish of Vayelech, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that B'nai Yisrael cannot, uh, will not be able to go to, I'm oh, sorry, that B'nai Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael will turn to idolatry. It's like a promise. It's always the promise because they, they, they hadn't learned properly to deny idolatry within themselves. But Moshe Rabbeinu is also right. But he says, look, I'm being punished because of you. You weren't the students that I needed. You weren't the people who had to learn. And so this is uh, probably true in many cases, that uh, two sides are right or two sides are wrong. And it's something that uh, that we have to try to remember. Okay, have a good